0: What is going on, beautiful people? It has been a long time, but I wanna welcome you to season six of Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I wanna warmly welcome you back to the podcast. I know it's been a few months, it's been a busy few months for myself. Uh, Moved across the country to Washington, D.C., working as a bar manager downtown, training hard, and I knew it was time to give the people what they wanted, which was a new season of the show as you well know the purpose of the podcast is and always has been simple to encourage empower and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors faith walk and of course their best options for post-workout late night meals this week and to start off the season i sat down with if i'm being honest and no offense to any other guests i've ever had my favorite power lifter andy huang you can find on instagram at that huge asian guy Uh, a prominent member uh, of the powerlifting community, as as I'm sure you're aware, uh, a big name for Iron Rebel uh, and so many other major companies, and a man who's just known for never quitting. Uh, He's 37, he's been training in bodybuilding and powerlifting and has become an influence for so many in the sport. So I'm honored to release this episode for you guys. I hope you enjoy. As always, you can hit us up on any social media, Instagram Faith Fitness Podcast, myself at Big Mo Powerlifting. You can even go to Facebook if you're old enough to still want to use that. I appreciate you guys deeply. Big love. Enjoy the show.
1: Andy, what is going on, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, not much. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man. You know, uh, I know we were chatting right before, and just kind of said it's a it's an honor to finally get to meet you. I said uh, ever since I started lifting. Uh, I found that huge Asian guy popped up on my Explore page. and I was like, this dude looks like a fucking animal. Uh, so I'm glad that I've finally gotten to get you on the show and, and hear a little bit of your story. Um, kind of on the front end, I mean, I feel like the obvious question is, you know, how was the showdown? Uh, even before we jump into the very beginning, I know you're coming off a competition. You ch- chatted about it with John um, just last week on Two Bros, One Shaker Cup. Um, how are you feeling kind of a couple weeks after it's happened?
1: Uh, I'm feeling great and very, like, optimistic and just kind of like happy with powerlifting for the first time, not the first time, but for since a long time ago, because I've just been dealing with injuries for like almost three years or almost, yeah, over over two years for sure. And I, you know, I've talked about it many times, but I just, at my age, I'm 37 and I was kind of like starting to come to grips that like I might have to like start preparing myself to You know, just think about life after powerlifting or be semi-retired. I don't know if you can retire, but just think about that that stuff. Um, So, but then, you know, as I was prepping towards the end, just everything started clicking and uh, it was the best prep I've felt physically and and with very little like pains and aches. So, um, and then obviously I, I did well, went nine for nine and pretty much just 10 pounds away from my... That's total. So I just, I feel like, you know, just rejuvenated. I feel like, feel, feel like with how training is and how my recovery is that I'm, I'm going to be able to start making PRs again, even at my age. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, it's a great feeling knowing that I'm not done and uh, I can re kind of reset my mind and my goals and um, I don't have to uh, retire and be a has been anymore. So it's good.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was I was chatting with uh, with Jen Thompson a few months ago, and she said something along the same lines. Uh, I, I made some some joke about you know how old she was in competing, and she was like, "Moses, I plan on competing when I'm seventy something." So <laughs> I, I think that it, that is the really cool thing it's about powerlifting, especially. I mean. In so many other sports, there is there's like an age cap. Like you hit a certain point, and it's like ah, like if you step back onto the field or the platform or the court, like you're fucked. But in powerlifting, I mean, you got what's his face that like eighty year old dude that's still deadlifting like forty
1: four hundred something pounds. And yeah. So it's yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's like obviously like I can't compete at this the high level, you know, forever. But you can yeah for powerlifting you can always compete and, um, you know, there's also like age categories and stuff too that's kind of fun but um yeah I, I definitely don't ever plan on not lifting or anymore so um but at this level i i think uh, you know there's always a there is definitely a a time limit so um but i guess mine's not running out not yet it, so yeah not <laughs>
0: yet uh well i know you've been you've been competing in powerlifting for a few years now, but you didn't necessarily start in powerlifting. You started in bodybuilding if I'm not mistaken. So what was kind of your trajectory in even getting involved in all this in the first place?
1: Uh, Well, even before bodybuilding, there was just, I mean, I I played football in high school and a little bit in college. And then um, right after that, uh, I just got involved in personal training. So I've always been involved in the gym and lifting my whole life uh, since I was 15. So over 20 years now. So um, but I missed competing. So that's when I started bodybuilding. And um, and it just so happened, like, it was just... I was in the gym lifting, and some uh, two guys are older. They're, like, 40s. Um, they just saw me lifting, and um, they just started talking to me and saying, you know, I'm pretty strong. I should try powerlifting. And it was in my off-season for bodybuilding. So it, it, it they just said, you know, just try it. You don't have to, like... You know, do some long prep and get all totally immersed in it. Just just do this with us and, and, and train with us and we'll teach you. And you can still bodybuild. Um, so after I did it, I really enjoyed it and it, it gave me a new challenge, uh, a new stimulus. Um, and because of the, the grind of bodybuilding where just every day you're just doing the same thing over and over and you're always just looking yourself in the mirror, just like picking yourself apart. It's just very... To very vain and monk like sport. And, you know, I powerlifting was just a great alternative to that to take distract distract my life from, from totally doing bodybuilding. But I was still able to do both. So it kind of, you know, hit hit all points of like my interest at the point at the time. So um but then some things happened in bodybuilding and personally and I just and and powerlifting took off. So I just went with that and just kind of stuck with it. So the trajectory was Within the first year and a half, I, I became number two in the world. So, it was just so fast. And of course, with all this early success, you just think you're untouchable and you're just going to break all these records. And and that's you know that was what my mindset was at. But um, um, but then I just competed too much, too fast, and didn't get enough time to like rest. And I just started getting all these injuries. And kind of that's just where it, you know my last few years have been. But um, that obviously it taught me a lot, and I'm glad like it went through it because now I know how to personally make my career longer and then I can also teach other people this too
0: yeah, I, I mean, I remember uh, I mean it was when I was in college, um, but your current performance with your growing and uh, I think it was the first time I think I'd, I'd watched you compete like quote unquote live. live. I'm sitting in the yeah. back of, of some graduation thing. And I'm like not paying attention. I'm just watching everybody lift. But yeah. um, cause it was the same meet that Briani, you know, first hit that huge deadlift. And mm. I, I saw you pull the groin and I was like, ah, oh, there's no way this dude finishes this competition. And then you just came back, you did it anyway. And I remember they, uh, I, you did the edit with that Kendrick Lamar remix. Yeah. Uh, and bro, when I tell you, I spent 18 months trying to find that stupid remix before I like finally found it. Cause I was like, oh, man, like it. I wanted to use this on an edit. And yeah. it took me for like, I, I thought this was like, it can't be that complicated to find this remix, but it, it just, it was impossible. Oh, wow. So I, I had the video like saved on Instagram and everyone. So I would come back and be like, oh, okay, that's what it sounds like. I'd go back and <laughs> look it up. And I think it wasn't until like three months ago during a prep, I finally found it. But I remember that was, that was the first thing I was like, man, like, this dude gets hurt and finishes a competition, but I know you've battled with so many different injuries. H- how the hell have you overcome? Like, there's plenty of people who are going to get hurt and are just like, you know what? Like I- I'm a step back. What, what was the thought process in just continuing to, to push through regardless?
1: Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know like how other people deal with injuries. Cause this is just always, how I've dealt with injuries, no matter what thing I was going through, whether it's like sports, football, whatever, it's just like, okay, how long, what, how long until I can compete again? Right. So it was never a question, unless it's like, you know, like some like doctor saying you can't lift anymore. Like, I think even then I would still try, but you know, just one of those things where like, if you, if I lost a leg or something, that'd be different. But these have all been, you know, soft tissue, for the most part, like soft tissue, or you're, you're tearing, you ligaments, muscles. Um, and I just know that, you know, that's that stuff you can heal, you might never be 100% the same, you have to adjust things. But it was just, any time it happened, it was just always like, all right, what do I have to do to get, to get myself on the platform as soon as possible? Um, I think because lifting has been my whole life, it's, it's never been something I, like a chore to, to go lift, you know, and, and so... And the competing has been something i've done my whole life pretty much and i just i'm super competitive and it just gives me um something to always work towards um and like i said it's just it's just every day it's, it's part of my life like if i'm gonna go coach somebody i have to adjust my training I, it's all about like how do i adjust my training if i have to go on a trip where's the new year's powerlifting gym when can i do it like everything is surrounded by powerlifting. things so i think even though we're not like a quote-unquote sport I think we, for the most part, I I and most of the top guys treat it as a professional athlete and that's how we structure our lives to be like that. And so um, I've always, like I said, I've always competed in sports, so I've always known how to like just set a routine and do it and um, it's just so ingrained in me. So um, anytime I had an injury, just let's get back into it because I've always loved competing and and breaking my numbers and all that stuff. So, um, you know, not until recently did I, you know, ever think like I was going to stop.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, I, I'm almost on, on the flip side. I mean, you, you started with bodybuilding. You're like, ah, like I think I'm going to change the pace of powerlifting and I, I'm doing the polar opposite right now. So our our mutual connection, of course, being Kaylee Borges, uh, you know, she took over my you know, nutrition a few months ago, we became, we were close friends and, uh, somehow along the way I got talked into doing a bodybuilding show. Yeah. Um, and so I, am doing my first even thought process of considering, um, the hell that I'm about to walk myself into to get onto a stage. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious from someone who, who has been there, um, especially for beginners who are stepping in. I know a lot of the gym bros that are are just going into a gold or a 24 hour fitness or whatever are looking for the aesthetic. They're looking for the cut. They're looking for the size, much more of a bodybuilding style training. What are your recommendations from someone who's had to go through prep and go through training for people that are looking to get involved
1: in that as well? Um, Okay. So the first thing I I would either talk to them about or or caution them about is you have to know, your why and like why you're doing it. Um, like if you're doing it just because it's like trendy and the the thing to do, or that's because that's what like that's what you follow on Instagram and you just think it's fun. Uh, it can be fun, but it's also very demanding. And there's gonna be time, many many times where you question yourself and you're you're struggling and you're hungry and you're tired and and if you don't want to. You know have a lot of setbacks or, or even quit then you need to figure out before you even do it if you like why you're doing this um because if, if it's not for the right reasons it's not it's not strong enough to carry you through a prep mm-hmm. secondly you have to at least be a pretty organized person because of the daily uh requirements from Measuring your food, counting your food, eating your food, the timing, the lifting, the cardio. Uh, if you have a coach, you have to take pictures. So it's it's a lot of things, a lot of to-do lists every day, no matter what. So if you're not organized and you're behind on your meal, you forget this, like then you're already setting yourself up for failure. So you want to like just do your homework, know what it's going to take, talk to people who've done it, and then figure out your why. So those are the two biggest things that are gonna set you up for a better uh, process than if you just like, hey, I wanna look good and get on stage. Because really, you're really doing 16, 20 weeks of work to just get on stage in a bikini or whatever, posing trunks, and it's like 30 seconds or a minute, and then you're done. And then a lot of people get this like post-meet kind of like, I'm sure, uh, a little different, but like if like uh, women who have a wedding, they dream about their whole life, they plan it afterwards, it gets like this depression. Same with the the competition, right afterwards, you're like, especially if you don't do well, uh, there's just this lull of like, what do I do next? And um, so you have to prepare yourself for all that. And um, like I said, you have to know your why because if, if not, then you're going to just be so confused throughout the whole time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it. Is, I mean, even more so than powerlifting. I mean, I, I feel like there's so much more, especially online. Like, I mean, the sport's blown up so much more since social media has taken over. I mean, for all of them, I mean, CrossFit, bodybuilding, powerlifting, the whole deal. I feel like there's loads of people who are like, Oh my gosh, anyone can go powerlift, but there's not people who are saying anyone can go bodybuild because the end of the thing, like a, a powerlifting meet, like, yeah you could go squat the bar and everyone's like oh my god yeah like you you did it and that's awesome like i love that element of the sport but i don't think i've ever come across someone that's like i'll oh, just go on stage and just see what
1: happens no it's 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 unless you want to get embarrassed i mean like, right there's people who show up and they don't look totally in shape uh but you're not gonna have someone who just comes off the couch and gets on there and and looks 40 30 percent body fat either but um but I think there's also another like uh, another factor to that is also getting on stage and like being in public, like yeah. putting yourself out there like that to be judged. Like you're literally being judged, not based on like you know if you're doing a spelling bee if you spell this right if you do a powerlifting bee, if you lift this. This is like how you look yeah. and what they think of you, and it's like a whole panel of people like literally in the whole audience just like judging you. Yeah, and that's that's a weird feeling. You know, you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there to be judged. And, you know, if, if, if you've never done it, you you could, it could, you know, really mess you up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially like, I mean, you got the whole body positivity thing. Um, and everyone's like, Oh, you know, everyone strong is strong and whatever, like all the different stuff, but that just doesn't translate to a state. like, no. I know so many people go into powerlifting because they want to find somewhere they can be included, and and the judgment isn't there. And so it is interesting, just the just the harsh contrast between the two. And then you've got the other one, which is I'm going to create a god, and if I'm anything less than a god, I'm fucked. Yeah. You know, like it, it it is just, and especially coming off the Olympia just a few days ago, um, of watching someone like Chris Bumstead just go on and just, I mean, otherworldly, just dominate the stage. Uh, yeah. That it is. I mean. Every, every young dude's like, God, I wish I could look like that. And the reality is 99.9% of them will not. Um, and that's that's a hard truth to swallow for people that want to reach prominence.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's... I don't know. I, I Obviously, currently, the society is a little more, I guess, uh, privileged and think they should be able to get stuff without working for it and things should become easier, but you know sometimes you just sorry you can't like i can't be i can't be michael jordan you know just no matter how hard i work um just because you want it really badly doesn't mean shit you know you know it's not a christmas list and and your parents are going to get it for you Mm -hmm. um you know that but that's life you just can't you know i want to be a billionaire so yeah it's a hard truth and people just have to accept that and um and you know they are they are there, there are celebrities and superstars and athletes and famous people that that's that's just the way you know the life is or you know God made it and you just have to deal with uh, the cards you're adult yeah yeah
0: well, you know, speaking of, you know, just some people got dealt cards that, you know, other people may look at as completely unfair. You, one of your training partners, you know, our, our very own Bilbo Swaggins, oh, yeah. uh, and apparently every single time he touches a bar uh, is, a, is a gift from heaven itself. <laughs> um, and on the other side, you've got Ken. So yeah. you've, got, you've got two dudes who are just monsters. Ken, who apparently has no right to be as good as he is, but just rocked up and is just a monster. What, what's the training environment like there at socal even just for the three of y'all and, and the squad that i'm sure observes you know y'all's interactions how does that even just throttle your own training
1: yeah so let me let me paint the whole picture so like socal is a a coaching gym so mm-hmm. uh 90 of the members there have to have to be coached by somebody whether it's like in person or online i uh, know and, and, and then we have like open gym memberships for people too but so there's a lot a lot a lot of newcomers and beginners and very few intermediate and then some of the coaches they've competed a lot too so honestly it's it's kind of funny because a lot of these people don't even know who john is or i am and the weight on the bar is so big to them they don't know what's over 400 pounds they just see a lot of red so they don't it a lot of them don't even pay attention to us which is like it's just kind of funny, like here we have like two, three of the strongest people in the world. And, and then these people are just like, eh, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Everything yeah. over 400 just looks heavy. Yeah. There's no look difference heavy. To them. yeah. Right.
1: So, um, and which is kind of cool cause like they don't really like bother us. They don't fanboy us. So it's like, we, we just can do our own thing. But, but yeah, so before, even before John and, and Ken, I was just lifting with like one other, uh, training partner and he wasn't, uh, like super strong or anything. Just, and then even before that I had another one, but like none of these two are like national level or super strong. But the the one thing I wanted about it from a training partner is just someone who is always there and worked hard and, um, and it is just dependent. So I was successful doing that before John and Ken. So, no, you don't have to have a <laughs> all time hall of famer lifting partner to be successful. Um, you just have to show up and work hard uh but when um uh so so John moved out here because of, of a girl and I was very happy to hear that and she trained at our gym so um so it was awesome to have him you know come out here and live with me and of course, the first few months is just like what the fuck man, everything he does is just like. Like when you start a prep or you start like something, you have goals. You're like, oh, I want to hit this, I want this, but like doesn't mean you're gonna hit him. But John lays them out and he nails what he plans. But he's also not super greedy. He's very systematic, very linear. So it's like, oh, this this next prep, I want to just start five kilos more than when I started the previous prep. So he's very smart about it. So and he's very conservative. So that's I think that's the key to his uh, success. Also, is just having a big picture mindset, like I'm lifting for in the next 10, 15 years, not just for this next meet. And that's what's great about John. Um, and then also just how he can just keep making progress on all three lifts, every prep. And that is amazing to me. Um, but also, like I said, he, he's a great training partner because he shows up and we give each other feedback and we work hard and we have fun. And obviously we're really uh, one of my best friends. So that's always great. So that, that was about a year and then um and then one day because of covid uh Ken was always lifting at like LA fitness or in his uh basement he has a gym and he's a former uh water polo player, track athlete and he's just one of these guys who is very rare. He just he just loves training so hard that that you don't have to teach him hard work. It's just instilled in him. And he's one of those guys who will go to the gym for like five hours. And I'm not even exaggerating. Like I, I've seen him at the gym before me, I left. And then my friends were like, Oh, Ken was there. I was like, he's still there. It was like five hours. So he's just, you know, you can't teach that. And obviously he has the genetics where he's six one, six two, three hundred 300 pounds, like 12% body fat. It's just crazy. But you combine his genetics, his hard work. Um, and that's what you get. Um, so anyway, so it's COVID and, you know, he can't go to early fitness anymore. And he just randomly heard about SoCal because he lives in the area. And so like me and John show up and this guy's like, we see him and we're like, who the hell is this guy? He's fucking huge. And then immediately I was like, if that guy's strong, he's our new training partner. And it turned out he was really strong. And, um, and he was, you know, he was allowed to join us. <laughs> and yeah, ever since then, I, I started, uh, coaching him and it's just, it's just, taking off and I'm I'm very I think I obviously I'm very lucky to have both of them Uh, one guy that I can learn from and just compete with and then one guy that I'm teaching and I'm hoping to like you know not breed him uh, create the next the next John hack uh, quote unquote Um, and it's really great because he's he's very humble and works hard obviously and um, you know I can't wait to see what he does and he's you know he's only been he's only done one meet
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, I think is the same thing. I, I think he just followed me arbitrarily off of some episode I put up. Okay, and I was like, oh, who is this guy? And I like clicked it, and I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. And I, I, it was this like a thousand pound trap bar, like it was something. Oh like yeah. And I was like, where did this dude come from? I was like, who? Yeah. i would never heard of this guy. And then you know, he started training with the two of y'all, and I was like, well, you know, fair enough. So
1: yeah, I think that's what's great about power thing. You don't, you never know when the next freak will come out. Yeah. And I just, you know, we're lucky that it came out next to us. But um, I think it's good. I think because of powerlifting, that's growing. I, I hope, you know, obviously there's more women coming and there's more, uh, more people joining. And I think, you know, these great athletes who compete in high school and college and even, like, pros – once they're done competing in their sport, they're you know, they're still competitors and they're looking for something to challenge them and, and take up their time. And I think uh, Powerlifting would be a great, is, is a great um, transition for them. And, you know, hopefully more and more people join in, we just see more and more freaks and the sport keeps growing like it is.
0: Yeah. Well, so kind of switching trajectories a little bit, you know, I was doing my, my background research um, as I do on all my guests. Mm. And uh, I know you're you're a little bit of the nerd uh, as well, um, uh, yeah. You're, you you can you know you dabble. Uh, you got your anime and your, your books. So if we if we remove the an, the the gym from Andy, yeah. What 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 does it look like behind the scenes? What what is relaxing and just zoning out and just being a human look like for you?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, like today for example, it's Sunday, football season, uh, and we're in the West Coast. So the moment I wake up, it's like it's whatever eight nine o'clock. But football starts at ten here, so. Sundays for me is uh, I just be so lazy I'm so lazy I don't even like get up To go get food I just Door dash it even though it's, it's It could be 5-10 minutes away So I'm, I'm eating I'm watching football and I'm doing programs I do all my I still coach uh, I coach about 20 people and so I do All my programs on, on Sundays so On and off I'm programming all day uh, Doing client feedback and whatever Working Um and then eating and just just relaxing. Uh, we I have two dogs, so I might go walk with walk with them. We're taking to dog park, um, and then so that's a typical Sunday. And then we we'll, we'll, and I used to do the grocery shop, but then like I said, I'm lazy now, so uh, I do Instacart. So it just it just saves a lot of time for me, and um, and I like that and. So that's a typical Sunday. Um, but then, as far as like entertainment, I, I like to watch. I watch all the streaming channels, uh, Hulu, uh, Amazon, and Netflix. All that stuff. Big mo- like I watch. Every, I probably watch every movie. I'm a big movie watcher. Um, anime. I'm not. I used to be more of an anime watcher, but now I'm not. I just don't have time to like sit there and watch like half hour, hour episodes and, and binge watch it as much. Um, what I do is I do read a lot more. So I'd read on like, they're called light novels. Um, they can be manga, they can be uh, whatever, short stories or, or novels. So I do that, it, it, I do mostly do that at night when I go to bed. It just helps, I my mind races a lot. So it's, it's, takes, it's makes it very hard for me to go to sleep. So reading those, it, it distracts me and then it slowly just gets me sleepy and then I eventually fall asleep. And then I also wake up multiple times a night sometimes. So I will, if I can't sleep, I'll read that and it just helps me go to sleep. But uh, it's always going to be like martial arts, like super power, level up, superhero, overpowered. Like I'm always about that. And once in a while, I like a good underdog story, but I really like just fucking being dominant and that's what I read. So, uh, so yeah, I read every night and that's what I do. Um, let's see other than that it's just like hanging out with friends eating eating is a big thing obviously um and then uh i don't have a lot of free time because like monday through friday i'm at iron rebel uh, i'm there uh nine to five and then i go straight to the gym work out for three hours and by the time that's over it's like 8 30 9 o'clock then eat and then get ready for bed so that's that's monday through friday that's so, a full week it's a full week
0: that's a, that's a full, which I obviously <clears throat> I can relate to, yeah. uh, it's, it's a full deal. You know, it's funny. I, uh, you know, I, so I grew up overseas. My, my parents were missionaries, so I grew up in Ireland and, uh, you know, I came back, I was born in Tennessee, came back for college, all that. But because I moved around so much, I never really got into the whole college sports stuff, even uh-huh. really in college. I helped start the powerlifting team at, at Liberty, but I never really cared about football. Then I move into, you know, the hospitality business and, uh, we started a uh, fantasy football league this year and uh, bear in mind, I don't know the first thing about football, but I, you know, I knew 12 names, sort of like going through the draft and I'm literally just picking people whose names, you know, I some way recognized. Uh, and so that that's all I have, but my general manager and I, this way, this is happening live as we speak for everyone that's listening. My general manager and I are competing against each other head to head today. Okay, uh, this is the most anticipated matchup. Um, I would like to say, for the record, I'm currently winning, but that I have Antonio Brown on the bench, and he's already gotten me 22 points, uh, and that's oh, no. pretty devastating. But um, you know, I, I I have really, I think I've I've enjoyed it's kind of along that same track of how powerlifting is just. A million different people of a million different backgrounds doing stuff yeah the group that's just kind of the weebs who also you know lift weights and your group that's the sporty people that lift weights and how somehow this has all created something that all comes together um and i just like i said like i think it's just it's special because there's a lot of other sports where the people who might have been the nerdy ones or the ones who are the social outcasts got bullied and harassed out of, you know, the, the high school football team, the high school basketball team, um, the golf team for God's sake, because they're all apparently elitists. you know, (laughs) um, it's cool. There's somewhere that everyone can connect. Well, I also know, you know, you're, you're a big foodie. You have to be, to be in powerlifting. So what does the Andy sushi order look like? Because I know that you're a man who can fiend after some sushi.
1: Okay. So if it's, and all-you-can-eat place, which is like half the time, um, it's going to be like, I love salmon. So like with, with uh, if people don't know, nigiri. Nigiri is just plain rice with a little piece of salmon on, or fish on top. And they usually come in like two pieces. So I'll order like, I don't know, th- 20 of those off the bat uh, with like, also, <laughs> like 20 of that, maybe like some tuna and some yellowtail. So those are the nigiri right off the bat. And then I always like the rainbow roll. It has a good blend of like uh, three or four different fishes and then uh, avocado and whatever. So I always do like one or two rainbow rolls. And I'm not a big into the fried rolls because I just don't like to eat fried food that much. Um, so I stick with more like the raw with with, uh, with rice and not like anything. Like when they add fucking cream cheese into sushi, like that's not that's not sushi like <laughs> yeah so I don't touch any of those so none of the fried ones um so it's mostly like salmon and eel and these kind of rolls so it's it's gonna be so all those all the uh, nigiri like I said in the beginning and then probably like three or four rolls and then after that I just however hungry I am um, it's not not terrible but like when I was power, when I was like how do I say this when I was younger I would say like before my 30s I would eat probably twice that like between when i was in bodybuilding and kind of beginning of powerlifting i would just be able to eat that i don't know if it's because like i've just not let myself binge like that anymore because i'd always feel terrible and i don't think it's great to do that all the time um and i just you know my age and just my metabolism but i just i can't eat like that anymore yeah
0: yeah There was a uh I spent a year out in Salt Lake last year and there was a uh, all you can eat sushi places. Uh-huh. And dude, when I say and I'm sure you know this, they're vicious, man. They 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 like the whole if you can't finish the last plate, you know, you pay the oh, yeah. exorbitant or whatever. So, I feel that sushi's a slow burn. Yeah. Like you can just pound back stuff and then it all hits you at once.
1: Yeah. Right. I think the rice just starts expanding in your stomach.
0: Yeah. The rice hits you and suddenly you're like, ah, if I eat one more of these things, like I'm going to hurl. So my first time going to one of these places, you know, I'm just, I'm packing stuff down and we, we made that third order or whatever oh, that we yeah. got in. And as it's, like, placed in front of me, I think to myself, I was like, there's, there's no way in hell that this is going to happen. And i like, I could feel like I could, like, see the woman's eyes, like, burning into the back of my skull. And she's so add, she's like,
1: adding up the, the bill already. Yeah,
0: kind of she, she's calculating the gratuity that yeah. she's now going to be able to add on yeah. to this. And, like, both my boys were, like, trying to figure out, like, how do we, how do we hide these, like, 16 pieces we have left? or like come on because they're like you can't share it you can't what like they have like the 35 different rules you know yeah. um so i think we ended up like putting them all in like our pockets or whatever like walking out like dispersing uh, them and, like, no, let me the, let me the, tell you the
1: <laughs> secrets okay number one if you when you hit that point uh have some like ice cream or something sugary because that'll stimulate your appetite again so that always helps um just wait a little bit have some something sugary and then you'll be able to eat a little bit more um Hopefully, if there's a girl there, she has a purse, then you just grab a bunch of napkins and just throw mm-hmm. them in there. Or you grab a bunch of napkins, put them in there, put them in your pockets, go to the bathroom, and just flush it down the toilet. Right. Boom. There that you is go. A, that, yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> look, look like I'm flushing drugs. You know, the, the toilet is <laughs> just a little pieces of yellow tail. you know. <laughs> oh, man. But it is, I. you know, I, even growing up, like I always knew like sushi was going to be... I just knew it was anabolic just in my head. I was just born thinking that. And right. it's, I'm glad I picked a sport where it turns out I was actually able to apply that into something. Um, well, I know another thing about you that I think we share in common is your hatred of heights and flying. When did you, when did, where did this source from? When did you know that this was going to be the bane of your existence?
1: I think early on because, uh, so I was born in Taiwan and I moved to San Diego, California when I was five. And then I think I, I visited back to like flew back to Taiwan to visit like when I was like six and eight and 10, but those flights are always like 16 hours. And I just remember just, um, for some reason I have very bad growing up and even in my adult life, I have very bad, like problem with nosebleeds and air sickness and motion sickness, whatever. So on these flights, I'm like, I'm like sick dizzy my nose is bleeding i'm throwing up it's like so because of that like early on i just had a hatred for flying and and then now as an adult like i just so i'm just cramped the air is like gross and i just get so bored and Mm -hmm. like i'm just not comfortable so that that's why i don't like flying but luckily i don't uh i'll take a Dramamine, so it helps with my ocean sickness and I don't have the nosebleed problem anymore because I got my nose my both my nose cauterized so it's burned so that hasn't happened anymore. Although sometimes I miss it because I was known for like massive nosebleeds during these big lifts. Right. Um but mm-hmm. it was a big mess. So and I know it wasn't like the most healthy thing, but uh, but I mean, it turns out it was just like it's uh, an allergy thing where like my capillaries were just so dry and it's, it's dry here in California. Even when I woke up and like took a shower, it would just start bleeding. So it's kind of like the dryness. And if I if I was very like diligent, I could just put like uh, moisturizing like whatever cream on my nose every day, and it probably would have went away. But it was just easier to just get carterized. So and yeah. then uh, and I, like I said, I just never liked heights then, and then roller coasters were just never a big deal for me. Um, but. This year, I overcame that when uh, with John and, and my girlfriend and, and people, we went to Six Flags and I went on. I guess probably the scariest ride there. It's called X Two or something. I can't remember, but it was just like the whole. It's like an hour long wait. The whole time, just like just anxious and just like I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but but I did it and I'm very glad I did it. Uh, I'll never do it again, but uh, <laughs> but I will do like less. Less scary uh, roller coasters now, so I've been on a few since.
0: Yeah, you know, I feel when I was a kid, uh, you know, East Tennessee, you know, ours was uh, was Dollywood, you know, Dolly Parton's um, theme park, and uh, I think I was like nine or ten, maybe even younger, might have been like eight, and they came out with uh, this ride was called Mystery Mine, and you know, most of it was like inside, you know, this little like mine car thing, but there's like one section of it right when you walk into the park where you can see it goes upside down. And, uh, you know, I've got glasses and, uh, a buddy of mine, one of my closest friends at the time, the two of us went on the ride and, uh, it was like a moment where it got stuck like upside down and his glasses fell off his face, like into the abyss, you know, that's like beneath the thing. And, you know, then it like goes back, whatever. But he's never going to get the glasses back again. No. And I think that was just enough to traumatize me to where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm never doing this again.
1: No, you just got to wear glasses with a, with a strap or with something. With the strap around yeah. the back. Uh,
0: which is exactly what he did. The next time I saw him, he had the strap. But he had like the transition lenses. Like, he pimped them out. Like, it was like a whole thing. Nice. Um, but yeah, the roller coaster, I was like, you know what? And this was when I was small, too. Like, I wasn't always a big guy. My, both my parents were runners. And so. I grew up you know being being the little guy, and so the bigger I got, the less and less I liked doing stuff like roller coasters and flying and all that. I loved flying as a kid, yeah, uh, because you could just curl up in the seat and it 's just whatever now that i'm six two and two hundred and eighty pounds i don 't like flying because I take up you know like two different seats yeah. like i mean let 's just talk about the bathrooms for a second, oh, God. like who did they design these planes to do like there's, there's no options. Like, you just can't even use them anymore. No. It's, a, yeah. It, I You know, my, my parents still live in Ireland, so I uh, fly international all the time. And it's just, it's a, it's a nightmare because you'll walk into that bathroom. I take a selfie every single time because, like, both my shoulders are hitting either side yeah. of the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, and so I have to make a decision whether I'm going to take a piss or not because, you know, it's like it's, I'm almost having to do gymnastic maneuvering to even get into the <laughs> bathroom in the first place. Um, but, yeah, it is. It's funny. I, I think it's a power lifter thing. Like, I think there's a, a common thread of people also hating heights, uh, who like having their feet on the ground and squatting massive amounts of weight, because I think they have the control that they don't necessarily have if they're a hundred feet up, you know,
1: in the trees on a, on a ropes course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's funny. Well, well, I knew one person who doesn't mind like, uh, and you know, Chad, Wesley Smith, he, he would fly like regular coach and he would, he would never like, you know, get a bigger seat and he, he enjoyed flying and it wasn't a big deal for them. And then, the, and then I see those strongmen flying like regular, whatever economy. I'm just like, how oh, that, that's freaking ridiculous.
0: And they take a picture of themselves yeah. next to the person that's yeah. like in the corner, yeah. you know. And it's like <laughs> Eddie Hall's just smiling and you know blocking the other guy.
1: Oh my gosh. And you have to play like I know you know this. You have to play like elbow, like mm-hmm. elbow. Uh, I don't know, fucking etiquette. It's like whoever's there first, you gotta you gotta just establish. Your yeah. Elbow Who has dress. the armrest? Yes, the armrest. Yeah. You gotta be there. But I hate when like some tiny guy puts his elbow there. I'm like, dude, just look at me. So now yeah. I'm just like this. <laughs> like, how can you like you don't even need this? Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. You you fit just sitting completely normal without either armrest. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's and it's always the guy at the window too. Uh, it's the guy at the window. He's like, oh, I need more space over to the right. I'm like, dude, lean to the lean against the lean fucking the, window. The, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, you've got your own podcast as well. I mean, we've had a couple of them. um, And I know you've you've kind of launched into Two Bros, One Shaker Cup. I have to admit, I have not listened to it as of yet. Uh, So... I'm curious. What's the sales pitch? What's the goal? What's the the point? Obviously, I understand the play on words. Uh, that maybe not all of the audience does, but I'm old enough to understand it. What's uh yeah? What's what's kind of the goal with that?
1: Uh, so it's it's honestly, I, this is gonna be a terrible sales pitch, but it's it's very <laughs> uh, very boring. I mean, we just I think it's a it's an outlet for us to address questions. Number one, like questions that our, our followers have that we just, we don't have time to like answer, you know, on our, on our Instagrams, like whether they're asking us, in the comments or DMing us or, or I open up a Q and a, but they, they'll want, they ask these questions that I just can't answer in like one or two sentences. Right. You know, like how do I increase my bench? Okay. Like that's, that is a, <laughs> a novel that I could write. So, um, so that's a way to like interact and, and, and just inform our guests about, or, or answer questions, uh, in long form and, and just be more thorough. Um, and then it's a good, it's a opportunity for, for us to just talk with our powerlifting friends and, and kind of do what we're doing now is get to know them better. Hopefully pick out stuff. That's not just, you know, powerlifting related and, and get a more personal level and obviously have fun and talk shit and stuff. And then obviously people want to know about, you know, me, but mostly John's like Life and style and prep and all that stuff. So that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, we try to make it a little different. Like John has like this segment every time called "Fuck Mary Kill" with ish people, you know, familiar with that. But uh, you know, we have we ask our guests that, and we have different you know topics every week. And uh, but it, you know, I, I started off. It was just it was just something to do, um, something to uh, another outlet to to spread our our whatever popularity and 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 um gaining followers that way um i like talking it's not i like answering questions and and helping people out um but we have no real goal to it i mean we we kind of just <laughs> we're not very consistent with it um i i think two years ago or a couple years ago it was more popular a lot more uh like with Mark Bell and, and doing his YouTube and all those casts, and that, that was very, very. Uh, you know, I was listening to podcasts all the time, and and now there's just so many out there, and I feel like we all talk about the same thing. That um, it just kind of take the, kind of I don't know, we're just not as motivated anymore. Um, also, because like it's not like we're trying to make money off it or anything. So, um, the same with our YouTube. Uh, I have I have a YouTube. I haven't posted on it in like years, and um, we just I think basically we just don't have time. Uh, john has a full-time job like people think he's just a professional powerlifter but like there's really no such thing all but if anyone were to make money based off earnings of winning meets that would be john he could uh but you know how long can you keep that up for so uh john has a chemistry degree and he's an engineer so like he has a regular like full-time job and so do i and then you fit training on top of that there's just not a lot of time to like do these influencer type stuff that requires time, but also like creativity, like we just I don't, you know, I, I have to reserve a lot of my creativity for Iron Rebel and our marketing there. And just to, to do it for ourselves. It just, I don't know, we just we're not out of time. We'd rather just relax and, and, and zone out than work even more. So that's kind of the, the podcast in general. I mean, we just want to know more about john and I more personally, that's where we talk about more, more stuff. And then obviously powerlifting stuff, and uh, you'll hear other powerlifters there, but uh, I just don't see us trying to, like, make it any bigger. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they do say you know organic growth is the best kind of growth. You know, if it totally explodes, you're like, holy shit, this is just my biggest right. monetization thing in the world. All right, but the likelihood of that occurring is probably low, considering the other business ventures you have available to you right now.
1: Yeah, it also was kind of like just carried over from my previous podcast with uh, Brandon Allen, and um, it's just just something like to put out there that people can can enjoy and listen to, uh, you know, you know, in the gym or, or on a Driving and stuff like that, so Yeah. Well, so kind of moving,
0: you know, I, I feel like my episodes kinda of go past, present, future. Kind of moving into this back third here. You know, you're 37, you're coming off a, a meet, um, you've covered a ton of ground, you're releasing new stuff with Iron Rebel, you're doing stuff all the time. What's what's next? What are you hoping, you know, as you even look at the next 10, 20, 30 years, As you look at a legacy, you know, in powerlifting, the the stamp that you want to have made, have you thought through that? Have you considered what you really want to leave behind? I hate to say behind because it sounds like you're going to fucking die. But, like, what's the mark that you want to leave on the powerlifting community?
1: Um, Well, I kind of look at, like, other people out there who've had, like, a good, quote-unquote, good good career and but have a better or still be successful after their sport and, and not just powerlifting, but like, I look at like Jay Cutler, you know, Jay Cutler is a bodybuilder, like four time Olympia, uh, Mr. Olympia. He, You know, he has a great business, but he's still giving back. He still has a YouTube channel. Um, He's still out there, like, going to all these competitions. And he's just an awesome ambassador of the sport. Mm -hmm. And then in our sport, there's Mark Bell, who gives back a lot. And he had so many videos, so many informative videos and podcasts and, and then seminars. And then also Ed Cohn, who's just, you know... Obviously one of the best power of all time, but also one of the most liked people of all time. He's just so funny, so generous with his time and, and advice. And I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him except for the IPF in like that country that hates him for some <laughs> reason, but they're just bitter. Um, and so I, I look at those people and I feel like that's what I want to do. That's what I've been trying gearing my, like, my future to be, my legacy to be, is just to be the best ambassador for the sport as I can. You know, I'm trying to be the best powerlifter right now, but it, it, but simultaneously being a good ambassador for the sport too. Uh, John and I are starting to do more seminars now. Now that COVID's done, so I mean, we've already got we're booked till March already. So w- w- it's it's great, and I like being on the ground and getting out there, meeting people, going to meets, helping people out, talking to people. Um, and then I'm still coaching. I love coaching. Like So there's just many sides that I like to dabble in and still, you know, be a part of the sport in many different ways. Um, so that's like what I see myself doing uh, even past when I'm not lifting anymore. Is just coaching seminars uh, and then just being on the ground, talking to people. Um, and I don't know. I don't I don't plan on like getting into uh, running meets and stuff. I think that's just not not my deal. Uh, I don't like to work <laughs> in that way. I'd rather coach or just help people out uh, in a different way. And then um, so there's that. And then there's another side where the business side where so iron rebel, we're growing. Awesome. We this at the end of this month, we're moving to a fulfillment center right now we have a big warehouse we have a warehouse with offices, but we've outgrown it we've been out we've we've uh we've been needing to get out of there for a while but just thinking about it to like to scale and to to continue with our growth, we would have to like get a new warehouse every two three years and add more people and grow all that but instead, we just thought it'd be easier to just go to a fulfillment center they can scale as big as we need to. We can carry more inventory there. And that way I, because I am in charge of operations. So that's like our warehouse or shipping, ordering everything, uh, supplies and customer service. So like my day is just so packed. And um, I feel, we feel like a lot of what we lack or we could do better on is our marketing. And that's just another full-time thing. And it, it requires a lot of time to just think about and creatively verse. But I just don't have that that I need right now or I want. And I want to be able to. So we uh, we sponsor, I don't know, 30, 40 meets a year. But I can't get out there and like have a booth there and, and talk to people there. So that's another another way of us giving back or me giving back is to sponsor these meets, whether it's with like money or, or gear or Best lifter certificates, gift cards, and then I want to be to be able to be out there and and, and be at these meets too. Um, so going to the fulfillment center will free up my a lot of my time to uh, grow our business, but also uh, get out there and see people more. Uh, even though I don't like flying, but yeah. I'll suck it up. <laughs> yeah, maybe I can, Maybe I'll be afford be able to afford first class by then. But uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, as someone who's driven cross country across the entirety of the U.S. twice, oh, wow. wouldn't recommend. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's. Yeah. No, That's I drove up.
1: from uh, I drove from Louisiana here when I moved here from Louisiana back here. Did
0: you, t- did you take the south route through Texas?
1: Yeah, just 10, 10 west the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to cut because I'm in D.C. right now, straight through Kansas. Nebraska. I mean, oh, it was all nothing just the, there. Yeah, there's just nothing, and yeah. you're just zoning now and you're. Dr- I don't, yeah, yeah. At least for Never me,
1: happened. I was able to stop at a gym in Texas and a gym in Arizona. It was like a two and a half day deal, so not too bad.
0: Yeah, that was the one break on the way back. So I went with some friends on the way over. On the way back, I texted uh, JP, and so he let me stop by at Strong. I saw Hunter and. went on and and stuff. So that is the nice thing. I feel like the longer that I'm in the community, you know, there's always people like in all the major cities, like there's always going to be somebody. You just have to get through the eight hours of cornfields in between the cities to, you know, actually get there. Um, well, you know, on the back end uh, of every episode, uh, you know, faith, fitness and French toast, we could talk about fitness till, you know, the cows come home. That's what we're good at. But I think what's made this show, at least a little different than the millions of others that all cover the exact same topics, um, is looking at how the community connects with each other. Um, and this question of faith and this question of breakfast, which is my absolute favorite, um, I think have been a cool addition kind on of the back end. So, first question I got for you um, you know, just even as you look about you know, controlling a big business like like Iron Rebel, and you know, expanding the community and, and giving back. You know, what role, if any, is your own personal faith played in just your outlook on the sport and your role in it in general?
1: Um, so, like, like faith—are you talking religiously or kind of Ill, whatever? In, I, in whatever either way, in me?
0: whatever way that you may interpret it, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, like, I—I I don't. I'm not religious right now. Uh, there's time in the in my younger years growing up. Uh, I was just so growing up uh, as an Asian family they're not really religious uh, my mom is Buddhist which I think it's more like a philosophy more than a religion um, and a lot of like weird superstitions but so I was never it was never forced upon me or anything so uh, growing up I would kind of like explore different religions with my friends or yeah depending on my friends and then I would just like go to church with them and kind of just ask questions and learn so I would you know, I've been to Catholic churches and Christian churches and uh, Methodists. And um, and in high school, one of my best friends was uh, or, or is Mormon. So I got really involved in that, really learned a lot about that, which also led me to uh, I played football at BYU, uh, partly because of that, because there was just a I I just was comfortable with that religion. And, uh, and I happened to get a scholarship to BYU. So play football there. But um, that didn't last long. I didn't like football, I didn't play and it was just very hard. And I miss home. So um, but you know, I never really like, ever stuck with one religion. Um, so it's just kind of like in my own faith, I guess you say it. Um, uh But as far as how it applies to my life, I think it's just The the old adage of just, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, not I know, I can admit, like, in my late 20s and and before, like, even early 30s, I was very, uh, (laughs) just to put it simply, I was an asshole, like I knew. I was just very, um, like, a big smartass. I thought I knew everything. Um, I've always been, like... Even among people my age, just I just felt I was like, like a little, I acted a little older, a little more mature, but that also, you know, made me think I was, you know, smarter too. So I've always been, an, I was really like an asshole and sarcastic and put people down and, and made fun of people. Um, but, you know, something happened, uh, how long ago? I don't know, six years ago, maybe. Uh, but anyways, long story short, it, it I hit rock bottom and it kind of changed my life. And I just decided to just, at that point, just um, treat others better and treat myself better. And that's kind of when I also stopped, stopped bodybuilding, um, bodybuilding overall, like it, it was fun, but it was also very toxic and I lost a lot of friendships and people because of how it made me act and feel. And, um, just, it was just a a bad period, but also made me learn a lot of things. So, um, I'm very glad it happened because it changed my attitude towards everybody in life. So nowadays, uh, you know, I just try to try to be someone who is liked, (laughs) you know, I'm not trying to please people, but also, you know, I don't think I have any enemies in the powerlifting world. Not that I know of anyways. Um, so, you know, not that I'm like actively trying to please everybody, but I just feel like it's better to be nice, or don't say anything at all, all right yeah, that's good well, also, last also, question oh, one more. Oh, yeah, also I like I said, I do customer service, and that has been a huge like teaching for me to like be patient and be like <laughs> more politically correct, even though in my head I want to say this, I know when I answer customers, I have to be very uh professional so yeah yeah that's helped i
0: I know i know the same thing like um for those that are listening since honestly since the time that i made the last episode with jesus and since this one i've taken the new role so you know i'm a bar manager in downtown dc and you know fridays and saturdays we turn into a nightclub um from like 9 p.m to 2 a.m we hire in djs i think so i say that with the preface of i know you're coming to town next week uh, you're more than welcome to come through on Saturday after the seminar if you do decide to. But, um, you know, last night <clears throat> we've got all these bottle service groups and they're doing whatever. And, you know, this one woman makes a booking for uh, 15 people uh, for bottle service. Or whatever We quote them, you know, the 1500 or whatever it's going to be. And uh, we put her in a booth that could probably fit 20. And she's got the 15. Oh, this isn't going to be enough. We're da, 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 da seven more people show up suddenly they have like 22 people in their party Wow. and obviously I'm, i may run the place but i still nonetheless have to bite my tongue to try to ensure because i still need to get the money from the woman at the same time you yeah, know yeah. so uh trying to allow they have a good time it is it, it forces a different cognitive um, mode of just interacting with people because you have to hold back on what you probably should say to them, you know, in order to maintain the personal and professional relationship, you know, both yourself and the business. So I, I, I can very much empathize with that. Um, well, so the last question I got for you, um, and this is of course the fan favorite, uh, is that a French toast? Uh, I'm a big breakfast guy. I could eat it at any point during the day. It's just my go-to. So my question for you is this, what breakfast food holds King above all else? That for the rest of your life this was the go-to, what would it be? Ooh. And you don't have to give like a powerlifting, like, oh, I would eat eggs with oatmeal, like
1: no uh, it, it's
0: just anything, regardless of diet. So
1: it's funny because uh I just I ordered breakfast earlier, and I think this is a, a really close tie because what I ordered was an omelet, a meat lover's omelet, and then a breakfast burrito. So I feel like I uh, I order omelets more often because they're more popular and, like, there's always, like, four or five of those, like, standard, like, mm-hmm. the, the California omelet, the meat lovers, whatever. But as far as the burrito, I think it's harder to get down, like, well. I've had so many shitty burritos, uh, breakfast burritos, and they don't always have, like, the meat that I want. It's always, like, sausage or bacon, which, which is good, but... I there is a part of me that I like to eat like more uh, like a like a uh, a steak one but mm-hmm. that's not as uh, as common so I would definitely I think I have to say like uh, an omelette with hash browns like I like potatoes but hash browns are like my ideal preference or prepared way so yeah okay. Yeah. okay. I, I don't like sweet stuff that much I'm not a, a big uh, really? sweets guy yeah I'm more of a savory guy so like you know, if I'm snacking, it's gonna be chips, not something sweet. And I crave, you know, I don't crave dessert that much. It's more savory stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I'm probably similar. I, my my sweet tooth isn't dessert; it's like soda. And I think part of that was the Utah thing, okay. like like that. Just as you'd know from BYU, they got all the soda shops, right? Oh, dude, yeah. Um, soda and that, ice cream. So did I, yeah, like, those, it's just, it's a strong, like, combo, separate, both of them, like, it's all, it's a good look. But, like, I'm never, like, oh, my God, like, I could really go for, like, a tiramisu. Like, that's just, like, not something that I really care about. Right. But if I'm, like, man, like, Dr. Pepper would really hit right now, you know, that's that's the bane. So, that's the thing that sucks about going to a bodybuilding prep, is that's, not, <laughs> that is not an option. No. Um, but, uh, yeah. When, I when do you plan on competing? So, the goal is we're looking at June. Uh, okay. There's a, a Tennessee State Champs, and Kaylee is going to do it alongside me. Um, oh. Well, I say alongside me. Obviously, we're not going to compete against each other. That would be a very unfair advantage for her. Uh, but uh, but it's in Chattanooga as Tennessee State Champions. It's either the first or second week of June. Um, okay. So if you decide you want to jump back on stage... Oh, no. I'm just saying. It, it, could be a, it, could be a, it could be a power play, for sure. Yeah.
1: So my, my biggest... I wouldn't say mistake, because it just happened the way it is. My first competition, I just... I picked a day, or I picked a, a competition, and I picked a coach, and I think I just didn't um, give enough time yeah, from, like, you know, a prep standpoint. So I think I just contacted my coach. So my coach is, my first coach was Matt Porter, who, uh, if people in the bodybuilding world know, he was a really good coach, but he, unfortunately he died uh, probably two years ago of heart complications uh it was was genetic it ran in his family so it was unfortunate but he prepped a lot of like you know uh, amateurs and pros um but he was known for like having clients who were super conditioned and um and he gave a lot of free information so i was just a big fan of his before i started that's why i hired him but i think i hired him with like 12 or 14 weeks out and i was like 255 pounds but i was probably way too fat to start a prep Mm quote-unquote prep so you know it was one of those things where (laughs) uh breakups make bodybuilders yep yeah so like i had broken up with a girl or she broke up with me and i just took it hard and so i'm like you know i'll show you or some shit like that so i decided to do a bodybuilding show and it was just it was the hardest thing i've ever done in my life out of everything i've done because of how conditioned he wanted me to be and um, and I just wasn't in a good good starting point but to, to I wanted to win so I'm like I'll do whatever it takes and we did whatever it took and I at one point I was doing cardio three times a day it was fasted in the morning for like an hour over an hour and at lunch sometimes I'd go to the gym and do like a hit with like a bike so like you know super fast and you know hit training and then at night after I train I'd do more cardio so um, and I lost sixty pounds in twelve weeks, or twelve to fourteen weeks, and that is a lot of weight, right? You lost sixty pounds in twelve to fourteen weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think it was fourteen. That's yeah, should not be crazy. But yeah, I weighed in at like one ninety something, and man, I was wearing like size small shorts because my waist was tiny, and I just didn't recognize myself. You know, I had to buy new clothes for a little bit because nothing fit, and. Um, I mean, I won, but I was like tiny, tiny version of myself. I just didn't recognize myself. And um, I remember walking off the stage after I won, and I just bawled my eyes out by myself. It was just because it's just so much, the culmination of so much hard work, and just me, just just wanting to get through it, and and just proving something to myself, and. Um, and I did, it, and I was happy, but it was just so much emotion. And um, but yeah, I, I advise people don't jump into a bodybuilding show unless you know you have a coach, you're prepared, and, and you're ready for it. Otherwise, I mean, I could have just not showed up and not be as lean and not won, but that's not in me. So I wanted to do whatever it took, and I, I won. And um, it was a great lesson of knowing, of, of showing, or of teaching me like what the body can do and what your mind can put yourself through, because. Uh, I do remember a few times where I passed out in the morning doing cardio, just from like you know lack of sleep, uh, lack of food, and then just pushing myself. And I would, I remember like the gym, the the gym employees like, "Hey man, you got to stop doing this. <laughs> it's <was> very dangerous." <laughs>
0: and you know what's bad? Once the gym employees are like, "Bro, well, yeah, stop like, working out." I would out. just be like,
1: <laughs> I would just be sitting against the wall on the floor, like, "Dude, where am I?" <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, you passed out." So, um, yeah. Bodybuilding is very dangerous. Uh, there are a lot of people who die, so please be more informed and be prepared. And just realize, like, there's more to life in bodybuilding, uh, and you can do it safely. There's people who do it successfully, who have families, and they're very balanced. So, um, you know, don't don't. You don't have to do it the way I did it. Uh, I'm glad I went through it. I can tell people about it, and it's just not worth it. You know, all I got from that was a nice six inch trophy and a medal that's it okay and and then the worst body dysmorphia for the few years following so um yeah don't do it my way there's there's a very healthy way to do it um so just be more informed and 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 there's plenty of information and people out there
0: Well, last thing I got for you, and you've already, you know, partially answered this, you know, what, what's next, um, for you, you know, what plugs upcoming seminars? What's, what's next for Andy Huang?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you talked about a little bit but, uh, next week, uh, we have the seminar me and John in, uh, Ashburn, Virginia at the shop gym, uh, which you'll be at. Um, and then after that, I'll have a, uh, another seminar in, Dallas area uh, mid-November and then we're shutting it down for Christmas and then January John competes in Miami at the hybrid showdown so I'll be there to handle and help him and then February we'll continue our our seminars but we are like I said we are booked till March so if anybody wants to you know have us come to your gym um just reach out and talk to me about it and then we can talk about that the details so there's the seminar side uh me personally training wise i plan to compete uh hopefully in march uh march april-ish um i don't want to do like a big meet i want to do a local meet i haven't done that since you know my first one or two policy meets where i just i just want to like not travel not have the big pressure of, of like being on a big stage and and all these things and, and the filming and posting and all this stuff. I just want to walk in and just focus on lifting, have fun. And my friends are able to go see it. You know, I'm not traveling too much. And, um, and then after that, I plan to do the showdown again in September. So that's, uh, so right now off season, I feel great. No injuries. Uh, I think, uh, so my coach is Ryan Silva who coaches Hunter Henderson and a bunch of other people out there. Um, we have a good game plan. Um, so, very excited to progress in my off season there. Business wise, like I said, Iron Rebel, we're moving to fulfillment center, and we're to continue, you know, coming out with great things. We're we're moving into more lifestyle stuff too. So we're coming out with flannels and uh, compression shorts and cool stuff like that. You know, expanding outside of just powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, so that's good. Coaching, coaching, I'm coaching. I'm maxed out. Like uh, the other day. I posted a story cause I was able, I wanted to take on like two people, but I got like 20 inquiries and so I ended up taking five people. So, uh, if you guys want coaching, uh, I'll open up every once in a while when my, my client list goes down, but other, but most of the time it's, I'm pretty busy. So that's uh, not something I can really predict on when I'll be able to take people. And then what else? Let's see. No, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: That's, that's a lot of good stuff. That's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot coming stuff. up. I know. Um, and I think it's exciting. You know, the last year and a half, I feel like so little has happened, you know, for especially just in fitness. Um, just, I mean, COVID shut so much down, you know, especially with all the controversy of gyms staying open or being closed and everything else. So to actually have upcoming events and everything, it's, it's exciting. It feels like we're getting the ball rolling again, you know, with a showdown in January and go strong clash in February and yeah, I feel know.
1: like there's there's bigger meets every other month now which is, yeah yeah it's great
0: and it's huge it feels like it's it, it's even it's spreading out the big lifters a little bit more um, and it's allowing there to be enough quote-unquote big platform opportunities for even novice and intermediate lifters even if it's just a day one I mean it's not necessarily a qualifier so
1: yeah I think um, I think with the uh, addition all these like bigger meets quote-unquote it gives a chance for the i would i mean i guess i call it second tier lifters where they're not like maybe they're not the top 10 in the world but the 20 the 15 through 40 that maybe don't get the the recognition they get because they're competing with the other guys and then they get all the pre- all the the love now they can do these other meets where like you know m- most of the bigger guys aren't going to do these meets then they get to be the centerpiece and the showpiece and, and get more love that way too yeah Yeah,
0: Yeah. it's all a good way to just make the sport bigger, which is ultimately what we're all looking for.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Well, folks, this has just been uh, a great conversation with Andy Huang. You can find him. Of course, you already know this at that huge Asian guy on Instagram. Um, Of course, Iron Rebel as well. Um, You can find me, Big Mo Powerlifting, Faith Fitness Podcast. Um, if you're streaming this on Spotify, be sure to subscribe to us on every other possible streaming platform that we're also on because we're on all of them. Uh, even if I didn't sign up to get them on them. So, uh, (laughs) stay tuned. Don't know when the next episode is, uh, but we'll look forward uh, to catching you guys next time. And that wraps up the first episode of season six of Faith, Fitness, and French Toast. A great conversation with Andy Huang. Find him on Instagram at that huge Asian guy, and myself as always at Faith Fitness Podcast or Big Mo Powerlifting. Episodes will be a little bit more infrequent this season as I balance recording with a full-time job and a full training schedule. Uh, as I've been prepped for two different sports right now, but you can be sure that there are even bigger names coming up uh, and some great episodes, a lot of interesting conversations from a ton of people from a ton of different walks of life. Grateful for all of you. As always, you can always message me with ideas, hopes, tips, anything else for the show. And with that, we'll see you next time.